You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Reek, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore, the publisher of the Barkboard. And Jackson, the NFL draft is over. You've got a little bit of that going. And now, you know, we're, we're kind of getting settled in as the late push into the fall of recruits and uh, NFL prospects, everything all happening at once. Uh, how have you been handling all of this lately? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point because uh, spring football, for me, is still not quite over. I cover a few other teams for 24-7 sports. Obviously, Fresno State is on top of the list, but San Jose State is the last remaining team that is going through spring camp right now. And so on Saturday, I was driving, trying to make it to their stadium before the draft started. It didn't quite leave early enough. (laughs) And uh, I'm about 20 minutes away from Fescue Stadium and Jake Hayner gets drafted. And so I hit the first exit I can find to pull out my laptop and and publish that story. And, you know, I I thought it was going to be a pretty routine story. I had most of it pre-written and all of a sudden it's the Saints. (laughs) He's with Derek Carr. (laughs) And oh my gosh, all the stuff I wrote is pretty irrelevant now because the big story is them teaming up with Derek. So I spent some time in a random parking lot and <laughs> got that story posted. And uh, yeah, that was a busy day. I had like uh, six other players from other schools get drafted, and then um, four more Bulldogs went as undrafted free agents after the draft. So a big shout out to Lorenzo Reyna, who wrote most of those free agent stories and a lot of the draft stories for me uh, on Fresno State for the Bark Board and some of our other sites. That was a that was a hectic day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're getting pulled in ten different directions on that day, and uh, I, I, you know, it's things things right now at this point are a little crazy, especially for especially for you since you you're not just covering the Bulldogs, but you're all over the place with multiple teams, uh, and uh, it just makes it makes it increases the level of difficulty let's just say that uh, for you uh, to keep track of all that stuff but you know things things were happening not only with the NFL but but also uh, for the Bulldogs themselves I mean there's it was a pretty uh, pretty busy last couple of weeks right Jackson yeah it sure was I mean they've so they got through um, spring camp earlier than San Jose State. <laughs> and, uh, the big reason why they did that, and most schools did that, was because the transfer portal opened on April 15th. Most schools took the approach of trying to wrap up beforehand, kind of having those exit interviews and getting some players out the door that maybe didn't fit into the long-term plans of the program or maybe had other aspirations and where they were at on the depth chart, and then start recruiting those other transfers that were available in the portal. And so we saw the Bulldogs have about 11 players exit, uh, most of them being uh, maybe fringe second teamers, mostly third teamers, or young players that hadn't quite broken through yet at this point. So, um, And a lot of them are getting quite a bit of interest. Uh, even Matt Lawson, who was a sixth-year senior, who was having a bit of trouble competing on the depth chart this spring, uh, got a scholarship and committed to Northwestern. So a pretty good deal for him to go to the, from third team on the Bulldogs to a power five opportunity. And uh, a lot of those guys are, are getting offers to maybe a group of five and FCS schools. But for Fresno state, I mean, they're out there recruiting the next players to fill those last remaining scholarships. And 
Now, we've got a lot of news this week. Uh, there's really only one big addition in terms of filling one of those holes for the 2023 roster, but nevertheless, a, a very productive week, even getting a commitment for the 2024 class. So uh, the Bulldogs have been very active uh, in the last two weeks, and this month in June are going to be big for rounding out still 2023 and uh, making an impression on 2024. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, things are off and running uh, as far as the Bulldogs are concerned. They're they're trying to get everything in line for the upcoming season. Uh, you know, the the transfer portal reared its ugly head. There were a number of uh, Bulldogs that entered into that portal, uh, but like you said, uh, now the, that affords the Bulldogs to to kind of go into the portal and pull some players in their direction as well, right, Jackson? Yeah, and, and so they got a bit of a jump on that this past week. They did get the one big commit. We'll talk about them one by one, but Kamari Bailey from Idaho, the big score. Um, you, know, you, you talk about the portal and attrition. I mean, defensive end is a perfect example where Fresno State had David Perales go off to the NFL this past week, and uh, Demarcus Johnson, who was one of those key reserves last year and, and looked like he was going to be in line for some playing time, opted to enter the portal maybe for a chance for him to start perhaps compared to he was spotted on the second team but all of a sudden you're pretty thin at defensive end and the Bulldogs go get Idaho's leading sack artist for their defense last year and not a bad way to, to help fill that gap but we'll see if they can hit a few others over the next couple of weeks they're still trying to get a wide receiver out of the portal uh, they've been working on uh, defensive line for a while maybe they'll add one more but uh, they seem to be, you know, two late additions now with Bailey joining uh, junior college defensive tackle Kavika Baumgartner. Uh, those were two big additions for the Bulldogs, and probably a cornerback. Uh, Fresno State has lost a couple now uh, between Braylon Lux and Kale Sanders, so it would be nice to get an older guy in that room to add some depth. So there's still some holes to plug, and maybe a late offensive lineman if they have the luxury. Even a running back was offered this past week out of the junior college ranks. So. Still a lot of moving pieces for the Bulldogs 2023 roster right now. Yeah, and you you just touched upon one of the players that we were going to go over, and uh, of course a, a, a transfer portal uh, player um, and a, a defensive end by by the name of Kamari Bailey coming out of Idaho, and so you've got a chance to kind of take a look at him. What what are what do you see? Uh, what the Bulldogs are going to get out of uh, out of Bailey? Yeah, I mean first and foremost, uh, he had a breakout season this past year uh, as a uh, redshirt sophomore uh, or a sophomore went out there and got five sacks, eight tackles for loss, led the team in both categories. Um, and he was a pretty highly sought after prospect in the portal. He stayed with Idaho through spring. Um, so he didn't bail right away, but for whatever reason, opted to hit the portal after spring camp. And he got a lot of offers that came in. Uh, even Cal offered him one power five option. Um, Nevada offered him out of the Mountain West. There was a, quite a few other group of five schools and a bunch of other FCS schools. So uh, he did officially visit Western Kentucky. So this was a guy Fresno State had to battle a bit for and helps fill in that, that depth at defensive end. Um, uh, the Bulldogs do bring back Isaiah Johnson. They've got Devo Bridges, who broke out at tackle last year. It looks like he's probably going to have to play in this upcoming season, but not much depth behind those two right now. So Bailey is a big factor there. They've got Ezra Christensen still committed who hasn't, he wasn't able to enroll for spring. He'll be in the summer, a big junior college prospect. The Bulldogs landed late in the recruiting process in February. So uh, you have Christensen, you have Bailey, uh, then you've got a chance to really have a, a really solid second team and 
then you've got some younger players that aren't forced into as much second team action and can be those third team guys for you. Um, but Bailey's got an interesting background. He comes out of the UK. <laughs> I didn't really anticipate seeing that his hometown like that when I was looking up the profile. And uh, I'm still, I got to interview Bailey and hopefully get some more background on him. But he ended up in Utah where uh, you search up his name and you see high school clips from basketball. He's throwing down dunks and track and field, I believe. I think I saw some high jumping. and uh, oh, Interesting. Just, he was, yeah, he was doing everything then. And so he gets to Idaho during the pandemic, uh, doesn't play the first year red shirts in 21, and, and then just breaks out this past year or so. Uh, very clearly a player with some high upside that is starting to unlock that potential. Uh, he's at about 6'3", 230 or so, and uh, a nice piece for Fresno State to work with moving forward. Yeah, that's a, that sounds like an interesting uh, you, a player that's just uh, kind of a utility player. He can do a little bit of everything. So pretty much he, he could be successful in uh, anywhere they put him on the field. Uh, but, you know, they're initially bringing him in as a defensive end. If he stays there, that's going to be a different question, right, Jackson? Yeah, you know, I think he's settled in there pretty good. He's not quite big enough, I think, to move inside. And he's gotten too big probably to move back to linebacker. He could be an outside linebacker in a lot of 3-4 defenses. I think that's what Cal wanted him for. But uh, for Fresno State, they definitely have that need at defensive end. And uh, whether he might have potential to grow somewhere else or, or even go, you know, wh- whether it's up or down, uh, the Bulldogs kind of need to fit him in that hole right now at defensive end. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. They, they need to go with what they need right now. So uh, they'll probably end up placing him there. Uh, but, you know... That is one of the transfers that came over. Now, uh, of course, the Bulldogs really didn't stop with the recruiting aspect of things, and they were able to pick up another uh, commit, a three-star commit, a wide receiver out of Long Beach, uh, a long, long Beach Poly. And uh, I apologize ahead of time, people. Uh, his name is Jordan Malaulu. Malaulu. Jordan Malaulu. I'm I'm sticking with that, Jackson. Uh, what do you what do you see about uh, Jordan here? Yeah, Fresno State's first 2024 commit so far, um, and a pretty big one too. He's a three star receiver. He, he is in the composite scores just under .85, which is you know really uh, kind of a, a milestone kind of commit for Fresno State. If you get above 85, that's a pretty special get. He's an 84 by 24/7 Sports, so kind of right on that fringe, had some early offers from Pittsburgh as well as UNLV and Weber State, uh, committed to the Bulldogs early in the process. Um, as mentioned, the, the very first commit, uh, there's not a lot of commits out there for 2024. Most of them are going to be to the elite programs where they're trying to uh, secure their spots early. Um, there are only five schools in the Mountain West that have two or more commits. Um, no one has more than four, and there's five schools that have zero commits. And so Fresno State was able to get out of that group <laughs> this week. Um, also, some interesting background here. Um, he is does appear to be a relative out of um, uh, of a former Bulldog, uh, the late Fisatelli. Unfortunately, uh, my understanding is he passed away late last year, played defensive line for the Bulldogs in the early 2000s for Coach Hill. Uh, his son, Jairus Satelli, is a defensive lineman for San Jose State. And Pierce Malu'ulu might be a nephew or you know, is in that family tree somewhere, took a picture with that number 56 jersey in his hands, posted on Twitter as he committed. Um, so I uh, have some background with Fresno State. And, 
you know, it, you imagine oh, most commits pick Fresno State kind of for the right reasons, for certain reasons and, uh, that I think the fans resonate with. And a lot of times when I talk to commits, they, it's not the same reasons. It's not to say they're bad reasons or anything, but uh, Greg Biggins, our recruiting analyst, interviewed Jordan and his quotes, uh, they all hit <laughs> the things that you hope that a recruit would want to pick Fresno State for, especially location-wise. He's out of Long Beach Poly. He's had a sister, uh, one commit to UCLA and one commit to um, Minnesota, no, Mississippi State, both for softball. And so he kind of put into perspective, hey, my family gets to see this sister all the time and this other sister hardly at all. So uh, I'd like to be close to home so that they can see me in a three-hour drive. Um, so that that was a, a nice thing to hear from him, um, talking about the fan support, uh, what he sees as Fresno State kind of uh, as a, a Mountain West group of five kind of power right now where you know, you can excel maybe there in a way maybe you wouldn't at, at a, taking one of those fewer power five opportunities. So uh, I, I think he's at Fresno State for a lot of the right reasons. The family aspect helps quite a bit as well. Um, uh, on the field, he stands at 5'10", 170. He's growing a little bit still, but more of your slot receiver, some speed. Uh, kind of, you know, they're going to be looking to replace the Nico Remigios and Jalen Moreno Croppers here in the upcoming seasons, and he might be one of the guys that fills that void in the upcoming years. Still has another year of high school. Bulldogs still got to keep his commitment steady for another uh, seven months or so, but um, he seems like a guy that he committed for the right reasons. He knew what he wanted early, and He's locked in right now. Yeah, so it sounds like uh, things are are starting to rock and roll uh, for the new recruiting class, and that's a good thing for the Bulldogs. Hopefully they'll start to pick up a few more here and there, Jackson. Uh, um, I know there's been uh, a lot of interest in some of these uh, 2024 players already, um, so that as we start hitting closer to fall, we may see one or two more start to uh, make their commitments to Fresno State, so we'll see. we'll see what happens. Now, in addition to uh, what's going on so far, there have been some walk-ons that have made their way to the Bulldogs, um, and we're going to go over some of those right now. First of all is linebacker uh, from Eastern Michigan uh, by the name of Stephen Scheidt. And uh, Jackson, what do you got on him? Yeah, the nice story here as well. Um, you think a transfer from Eastern Michigan sounds kind of random, but he is from Clovis, if you weren't familiar with him. And if you're not familiar with him, it's probably for good reason. <laughs> I interviewed him just recently, and he shared about how all the way through his junior season, he was uh, pretty small and had a, got a role as the long snapper, and that was about it. And uh, in his words, he hit puberty going into his senior year, uh, grew about four inches or so, added about 25 pounds, and all of a sudden he was a pretty good linebacker for Buchanan as a senior. Um, uh, he's been out of high school for a while now. He went to Fresno City. Uh, COVID hit. Uh, he had one good year uh, with the local Rams and got a scholarship to Eastern Michigan. So, uh, a pretty you know, one of those stories that uh, you hope for when you're a high schooler and or a parent thinking about you know the kind of a long shot it looked like just a year before his senior season, and all of a sudden now he's a, a D1 football player and. Few years later, he's in his hometown. I mean, who would have thought he'd ever be a Fresno State Bulldog uh, for most of his childhood? So, pretty interesting story there. Uh, he did hit Eastern Michigan, had a, a pretty bad injury uh, two years ago, got on the field this past year, had about 20 tackles, and got some pretty solid experience, and took an opportunity to come home here and be a Bulldog. 
a big football family. Um, his father, grandfather, uncles, uh, a lot of the Shites all uh, are coaches and former players at a very high level. And um, His dad was a coach at Fresno City. Uh, his cousin is Seth Shite, who is a, also a linebacker for Fresno State, a walk-on out of Merced, where his dad's the head coach. Um, so uh, big family connections in the Valley, a lot of football experience. Um, the, the whole family is all in on football. And, and uh, I believe the words he told me was uh, faith and family are, are first, but uh, football is a close second or third <laughs> behind that. So uh, they do have their priorities in order, but uh, football is, is very high up there. So uh, it'll be nice to see both of these guys in the linebacker room at Fresno State. And you know, he's got... Uh, from my understanding, it is a walk-on situation, but I mean, he's got D1 experience. He was in that action. He had a, an eight tackle game and a close win uh, for Eastern Michigan this past year. So a guy that might be uh, some sneaky depth for Fresno State. And even though he's been out of high school for four years between the red shirt and COVID, he's got two more years to, to be a bulldog. So a nice little all around story here. And we'll see if he uh, makes an impact. Yeah, that'll be uh, be interesting to see just how involved he becomes because you know having that that mentality that first that first is family but football's a close second. Uh, that's that's the kind of players that uh, the Bulldogs love picking up uh, to to be a part of their team. So we'll see how that uh, that one turns out and his progression uh, on getting to the Bulldogs. Next, we have an offensive lineman uh, from Oregon State by the name of Campbell McCharg. McCharg. Again, you know, everyone's always entertained by how I murder names. There's another one. Cameron, Cameron, Campbell McCharg. I, I, that's it. That's all I got, J- Jackson. That, what do you got on him? <laughs> yeah, that, it's funny. That name it doesn't. It's not that long, but you see those letters in an order you're not used to. It's an intimidating one to look at. Um, but the, the player himself, he comes from Oregon State. Um, you know, certainly a, a nice pickup for Fresno State. Um, he's not only been at Oregon State. Uh, he first went to Cal Poly as a commit in 2021. Uh, I believe that was on scholarship. And, and then he made the move to Oregon State as a walk-on, from my understanding, and, and now to Fresno State. So already pretty well-traveled. Uh, he does come from Calabasas High School. Um, you know, he, he's got some experience, and the Bulldogs, I don't believe, had a single walk-on offensive lineman on the roster. Uh, Emil Savage, I think, was the only one, and, and he's in the transfer portal and actually has a couple of SCS offers. So um, a chance for Fresno State to kind of refill that spot and get someone that has you know, been competing with Pac-12 players for the last year, maybe see if he can add some depth. Um, he played in three games at Cal Poly. I believe he made four appearances at Oregon State, it looks like. and um, He has still three years of eligibility. Um, actually, we've got him from Calabasas, but his profile has Thousand Oaks, Bishop Alamany. So uh, it looks like he's been traveled in high school as well. <laughs> so, uh, 6'2", interior lineman. Um, I mean, as far as walk-ons go, Fresno State is usually looking at guys like Emil Savage, who told me that he basically showed up at Fresno State's office with his film on the flash drive and tried to earn a spot. So uh, you feel a little more confident about a guy that's played at two uh, D1 schools already and might have a little more on his background than uh, kind of a, a flyer on a high schooler. Uh, 
Yeah, that's uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting if he's on the Bulldogs and me trying to pronounce his name, Jackson. These these guys, <laughs> these names are gonna kill me, man. Uh, but no, it's uh, it sounds like uh, it will be a great addition. Bulldogs, of course, the offensive line is probably one of their biggest needs right now of trying to figure out all the pieces for the offensive line. So adding uh, another uh, walk on makes sense because if he, if he pans out, he can go in and take one of those scholarships at some point, right, Jackson? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the, the goal. Uh, we've already seen one scholarship. We know went to a walk on since spring camp to Phoenix Jackson linebacker. Um, you know, he was a walk on with about eight scholarship linebackers in the room last year and ended up being, the next guy up after Lavelle Bailey and Malachi Langley at the end of the season and uh, continued that into the spring. So, you know, you see it happening at Fresno State already. There's quite a few other walk-ons that have had pretty significant roles in the last couple of years and might be in line to get scholarships this offseason too. So, you know, that's another thing to watch as well. Fresno State's got some holes to fill, but they also have some walk-ons that are pretty deserving of scholarships. So they're going to have to toe that line pretty close and, try to reward uh, some other players potentially as well. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's definitely, uh, uh, their intention, uh, you know, bring some of these walk-ons on, see if they pan out, if they pan out, maybe get a scholarship. So, uh, this is uh, part of the process right now, but we have one more, uh, a defensive back by the name of Christian white out of El Cerrito and Jackson, what do you got on him? Uh, he's the guy that had, a lot of opportunities, um, a lot of uh, SCS, D school, D2 schools came his way, um, and he delayed the process a little bit and landed on Fresno State. Doesn't then, again, appear to be another walk-on opportunity. Um, a late 2023 defensive back who's going to come in here in the fall. Um, got some size on him. He's six foot one, but projects as a cornerback. So that's a nice piece to have and, you know, a, a pretty ideal spot to be in. You know, I, I look at just the wide range of situations for walk-ons that come in. I see sometimes, uh, especially maybe at the quarterback position. I mean, the Fresno State, I would assume if they have the space on the roster, they usually carry at least walk-on quarterback. And whoever that's going to be is not going to have a chance really to play anytime soon with all the competition the Bulldogs have. It's going to be more of a developmental proposition, whereas a walk-on cornerback at Fresno State where – Bulldogs just simply don't have that many corners right now. And the ones that they do, I mean, the two starters are both seniors. So this is a chance where a Christian White could maybe come in and uh, maybe have to be called on if the Bulldogs have a bad enough injury situation, knock on wood, and by next year, you know, if he catches on and, and really uh, outperforms his projection, you know, he might not be that far away from being on that too deep. So uh, a good pick for him, for my mind. Uh, he at least as far as Twitter goes, says he's got a 4.0 GPA. That's always nice. Um, was rated as a two-star recruit by 24-7 Sports, where we don't give out too many two-stars, it feels like, these days. So uh, he's definitely going to come in with a, a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be good for, for him to come come with that chip so that he can uh, try and uh, and put a dent on the, uh, on the depth chart uh, and see if he can uh, – get in the mix, so to speak, for, for next season. So we'll see what happens with him uh, moving forward. Now, with all of that uh, transpiring for the Bulldogs, there was another uh, whole nother thing happening with the Bulldogs, and that was the NFL draft. But, Jackson, before we hit the NFL draft, we, we, we kind of have to mention Fresno State had a number one overall pick, didn't they? Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, not in the NFL draft, unfortunately, but in the Canadian Football League draft. There you go. Uh, Dante Bull, number one overall pick. Yeah, thanks. So. I'm glad we didn't leave that out. We didn't talk about that beforehand. So thank you. Um, yeah, that was fun to see. And I got some tips uh, back in the fall that if Dante didn't quite reach the NFL level of uh, being a draft prospect, that he might very well be the number one CFL pick. And I wasn't sure if that was going to hold just because of the injury. He had a really bad broken leg back in October against San Diego State and was just good enough to do a few things at Pro Day, primarily the bench press reps, but he was up and around, walking and everything. And uh, enough for uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks to commit to making him their number one pick. So that was a a fun story. I believe there's only two colleges, I, I believe, that have had a number one pick in the NFL and the CFL. And that's a neat, uh, rare spot to be in for Fresno State all time. And a good story for Dante, who just, uh, you know, had some struggles at times, but was very, you know, he's played over 40 games, started like 35 for the Bulldogs. And uh, you just know there's still a whole lot of potential in that big six seven three thirty frame that might keep him in the CFL for a long, long time. Yeah, he's a he's a big boy, and uh, you never know if he, if he can if he can uh, make it in the uh, the CFL for the next uh, few uh, two or three years. Uh, someone may come knocking from the NFL. It does happen every so often, doesn't it, Jackson? Yeah, it sure does. Um, we've seen a few bulldogs. You know, a lot of them that don't go make it to the NFL uh, that are kind of on that fringe go off to the CFL. We've seen some of them kind of bounce back and forth a little bit. So. Um, there's a little more option now with the USFL and XFL, but uh, I think Canadian Football League is probably the, the way to go if you're not in the NFL. And if you're good there. I mean, people are going to come knocking, especially if you've got uh, an American background, which Bull does now, of course, within six years at Fresno State. Um, you look at the draft, and a lot of those players are from Canadian colleges, uh, a lot of places and people I've never heard of. So um, if you do have that... USA college background, uh, it's going to be a, a plus for potentially making that leap back over to the other side of the border. Yeah, so that does that does work in his favor. Uh, number one overall pick for the CFL. Uh, so now Fresno State has two number one picks. <laughs> so so uh, it, it, it is a great achievement for the Bulldogs. Now moving on into the NFL draft, uh, Probably, I believe it's the sole player that actually got drafted in the NFL draft this year. Uh, of course, quarterback Jake Hayner. And uh, a little bit of a surprise, Jackson. He goes to the Saints to be united with De- uh, Derek Carr. Uh, that one caught you off guard, too, didn't it? Yeah. And when you hear why they did it, it makes a lot of sense. But when you're trying to project where someone might go, you're going to think, all right, who has a need for quarterback? And the Saints, who just signed Derek Carr, still have Jameis Winston, and they've got Taysom Hill, <laughs> a tight end who can play quarterback all on the roster. Didn't quite seem like they had a big need for quarterback. They're thinking of teams that maybe have an aging veteran that might groom someone, or uh, maybe don't quite have a solid starter that maybe would take a flyer on someone late in the draft that might, or in the middle of the draft that might surpass the guy that they've already got, or someone that maybe has a star quarterback but doesn't have a, a good backup that could get one on the cheap in the draft. And that just none of those scenarios played out here with the Saints. But um, between having the insight from Derek Carr, um, but probably more importantly for the Saints, 
they um, were their quarterback coach and passing game coordinator was the offensive coordinator in the senior bowl for Jay Kaner's team. So Jay Kaner, when he wasn't the MVP of the senior bowl, spent all that time learning the Saints playbook and their offensive formations and plays, uh, working uh, right alongside their passing game coordinator, uh, just getting that one-on-one relationship down. And, you know, they, they seemed to pretty much fall in love with him during that process. Uh, Hainer shared that the Saints were one of his top three visits that you get to take before the draft. Uh, he also had the Detroit Lions very high on him, which probably fits a little bit more <laughs> what we're anticipating. Uh, maybe he would land at, but uh, the Lions did end up taking Hendon Hooker in the third round out of Tennessee. And so then he pretty much felt like the Saints were going to be the team. He even said Derek Carr texted him before the pick and said, hey, I, I know what's going on. Call me after you find out. <laughs> So uh, it seemed to be all kind of part of the plan. The Saints even traded up to get him. Uh, They were going to have to wait about 20 more picks from where they grabbed him. Uh, Had they not traded up, then I assume Hainer would not have fallen that far. Uh, He was already hoping for late third round. He ended up going in the middle of the fourth round to the Saints. And just a really cool overall story between, I mean, for Fresno State fans to have Derek Carr and Jake Hainer together is just a, a dream. I mean, the first quarterback to be drafted since Derek Carr and their teammates. <laughs> How awesome is that? Um, the the whole Saints side of things where Jake Hainer grew up watching and admiring Drew Brees, wearing the Brees jersey and Saints gear, knowing that he probably wasn't going to be very tall. And there was a quarterback who wasn't very tall in the NFL, just dominating for the Saints and uh, you hear that from Coach Dennis Allen. I've got a story up on the, the front page of sparkboard.com right now where Dennis Allen talks about why they made the move and why they drafted him. And you know, part of Drew Brees being there is a part of that, a shorter quarterback who had all the tools and the tangibles, and they see a, a lot of the same in Jay Kaner. And Allen was a part of some of those coaching staffs when Drew Brees was there, and he's come back to the Saints. So uh, a lot of fun connections. You just – yeah, I don't know if you worry or if it's a positive, but <laughs> with Derek being there, there's probably not a, a pass to playing time anytime soon for Jake, unfortunately. Even Jameis Winston, it looks like he's going to stick around as the backup for another year. And you know, Derek's on a four-year deal, so uh, unless, you know, you hope neither of these two things happen, but you know, unless Derek gets hurt or there's just a total meltdown <laughs> with him or the, the offense that they're not going to be looking to take him off the field unless, you know, they're way ahead or way behind on a given week. So, um, but you do have premier mentorship for Hainer for while he's there behind Derek. Um, you also have some security. I mean, it's fun to think about maybe some places where Jake might have gotten on the field sooner, but you know, if, if you get that chance and it doesn't go well, you could be out of the league pretty quickly. So, um, not that I would think that would happen to Jake, but you know, he's got a pretty stable, situation now i don't think there's a place he could have landed where his job was safer for as long as it will be with the saints and you know you just hope at some point later down in his contract that uh, he'll either get that shot or he'll be ready to take over for Derek, or he'll have done something to prove himself worthy to uh, another team to uh, put more investment in him after that 
Yeah, it just seems like a good situation for him, uh, at least to, to land with Derek Carr. Uh, they they already know each other, and, um, uh, well, it could uh, turn out to be a good thing for Jake uh, because uh, Derek uh, will probably take him under his wing and kind of help him along a little bit there. So things uh, things are looking good for, for Jake. Now, for uh, a handful of other players – they were invited and signed contracts with other um, uh, NFL teams, one of which uh, is Jalen Cropper. Now, Cropper uh, started off with a lot of promise to uh, to be added to uh, to be a part of the, the draft, uh, but ended up not getting drafted on the NFL uh, draft. But, you know, what's your take on him? He, he ends up going to the Dallas Cowboys, one of his childhood favorites, right, Jackson? Yeah, you know, I was surprised that he did not go. Um, I, I thought he was pretty much a lock. Um, most mock drafts and expectations, speculations all had him somewhere within the sixth, seventh round. And I uh, was disappointing not to see him go, but I do think that there's something to, you know, it might be better than going in the last 10 or 20 picks compared to being able to handpick where you want to sign to. That's not a, too bad of a deal. Um, and the Cowboys seem to be not just the fact that it was his childhood team growing up. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I believe there's some family connections there. Uh, some of the family are Cowboys fans. And it all kind of follows that path of being uh, a bulldog to uh, being another childhood favorite with the Cowboys. That's a neat story. Uh, but the roster situation looks pretty favorable. They've got three pretty locked-in receivers, and that's pretty much a free-for-all after that for other spots. and other roles that they might have in the offense. Um, Cropper, he, the, the Cowboys only drafted one wide receiver and he went and picked number 244, which is right near the end of the draft. Ironically, another wide receiver named Jalen out of South Carolina. Um, so it's not like there's a big draft pick in front of him that uh, it's, they're going to be overly committed to. I would assume Cropper's value is just very minusculely behind the other Jalen that they drafted. Uh, they did bring in some other UDFAs. There's like three more, but uh, the resumes and the projections are, are not close to Moreno Cropper. So I think there's a good chance for him, a good opportunity for him, not only to make the roster, but really get into that mix. There's like six receivers that they have on contracts that uh, none of them have done a whole lot in the NFL. So uh, anyone can really rise out of that group, assuming he makes the roster to, Maybe be that fourth or fifth guy and make an impact. I also think you know, if he can be on that roster and, and learn from Brandon Cooks, who just signed with Dallas this offseason, that's a, a pretty good kind of comp for Cropper to, to work behind and, and maybe be a similar type player in the NFL. Really uh, a big time, big playmaker, deep ball threat, and um, do some kind of unique things that he brings to the field that not many other receivers do, and that Cropper has some of those talents as well. Yeah, and I think that's a it's a good a good little landing spot for him, um, you know, to get to get things going. And you know, with Cropper, I'm not too worried that he'll be able to kind of uh, get himself positioned well uh, in in the league in order to be successful. So uh, we'll just have to keep an eye on on his progression uh, with Dallas or whether or not he'll 
you know, stay at Dallas or end up somewhere else. But for now, it looks like that's going to be a great fit for him. Now, another one of Fresno State's wide receivers who came onto the scene last year and broke out also found himself with a, a landing spot in the NFL, and that's Nico Remigio, who ended up landing at Kansas City with the Chiefs. So, Jackson, what do you got on that? Yeah, that's a, an interesting spot. I think maybe more than anything else for just returns in general. I mean, you think about the Chiefs, how explosive their offense has been, how you know, deep and talented that their receivers unit has been. You know, they lost Tyree Kill. They maybe don't have as many top-end guys, but it just seems like there's a never-ending stream of these players that come in and catch passes and make plays uh, thanks to Patrick Mahomes. And you can certainly picture uh, Remigio being one of those guys. But you know, now picture that amazing offense with a – all-star returner also on special teams to help them out. Uh, that just makes them extra scary. And Remigio could definitely be that guy. Um, I want to send out a little teaser that uh, on the premium board, I've got every Wednesday, I try to do something unique and special or, or in depth. And this week I did do an outlook of each of the NFL players uh, from Fresno state where they're landing or who the competition is. Some of the, you know, interesting tidbits behind the scenes of why it's a good fit or, or not. Um, and, and Remigio's is pretty interesting here with the return. So if you want to check that out, um, it's on the front page. It's on the insider board. Uh, we've got just a dollar for your first month if you want to try it out on Barkboard VIP at Barkboard.com. Um, but as far as wide receiver uh, goes for Remigio, it, it is a pretty crowded room. They're going to carry more at Kansas City than most other teams. I, I've seen them really be committed to some of their fringe guys as well. Marcus Kemp out of Hawaii, one I've been following and kind of been off and on the practice squad and on the roster uh, for several years. Uh, I believe he's got a couple of Super Bowl rings through all that. So it's a good place to be maybe if you're um, a fringe roster player. Um, they have really um, brought in a lot of guys here in the, the offseason. They did spend a second-round draft pick on a wide receiver. They signed two other undrafted free agents and they've got three mini camp receivers, including Zane Pope as well from the Bulldogs uh, that got that invitation to try to earn a spot. So it's pretty crowded, um, but they are going to have more players than others. Uh, they've got about four receivers on the roster that are experienced and like the Cowboys, a lot of guys that are, are trying to battle and stay in it. But I think at the end of the day uh, for Remigio, this is about, trying to earn that returner spot and being so good that it does secure him a man on a, a spot on the 53 man roster that he can make an impact on returns, maybe do some other special team stuff and also uh, be one of those extra receivers that seem to, to pop up at some point in the game for the chiefs. Uh, I really like the spot for a lot of reasons, but it, it's going to come down to him being valuable enough to uh, have a spot as a return man and, if he can do anything close to what he did with the Bulldogs for the Chiefs, uh, I think they would utilize that spot. The, the return game wasn't great last year, and to have a player like Hermigio can be a difference maker for uh, a team that just won the Super Bowl. So uh, not a bad deal for either side there. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be definitely a good one uh, for Nico. So we'll, we'll see what, you know, the Chiefs, heading over to the Chiefs where they've been super successful in the playoffs – not a bad gig, right, Jackson? <laughs> You're going somewhere where they have already been successful. So if you can fit into that squad, uh, things are just going to be great for them. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with Nico uh, with the Chiefs. 
Now, uh, next is Jordan Mims, and he found himself a landing spot um, somewhere a, a little bit colder uh, during the winter time, uh, and that he, he's headed over to um, to Buffalo to play with uh, on the Bills, and that one. Uh, you know, they tend to do lean on the running game a little bit more be- during the cold weather. Uh, how is that going to fit for him? Yeah, I think schematically, you think about the Bulldogs last year, and as great as Mims was, you know, a lot of the times the focus was on Jake Hayner and all the wide receivers he had to use. And still, Mims every game just was productive and solid, finished with over 50, or about 1,500 yards of offense and almost 20 touchdowns. Um, just very complimentary to what the Bulldogs were doing. Uh, and you look at the Bills, and they've got Josh Allen, at quarterback, and a whole bunch of talent at wide receiver, and uh, not a whole lot of established weapons at the running back position. So, um, again, it's a similar thing where you kind of have to be complimentary to what those guys are already doing, and they've been searching for that. And, and so a good spot to maybe fill in and be that guy. I think as long as Jordan Mims, I mean, he's got the size, if he has the other NFL abilities that, he could be a pretty complimentary piece to that offense. And that would be really nice to see. Uh, I think the other thing, you know, kind of peeking behind some of the roster competition that broke down in the, the VIP piece, um, the Bills last year rostered four running backs and a fullback. And that is exactly where their roster still is after some moves. And they signed one minicamp invitation rookie, or not signed, but invited one rookie to their minicamp, Isaiah Bowser out of UCF. So, uh, at the very least, I would imagine between Mims or Bowser, someone's at least going to be on the practice squad, maybe be one injury away from being on the 53-man roster. So uh, very good spot, I think, for Mims, both stylistically and roster-wise. Uh, looks very favorable. And uh, one other aspect is that Kelly Skipper, former Bulldog, is Buffalo's running backs coach. So I'm sure he had some extra inside knowledge and might be a little more motivated to keep Jordan around than just your random running backs coach out there. So. Uh, I like this fit a lot, and uh, I think that as well, the Bills have some running backs that they've been taking flyers on. Maybe some of those guys will make it to the end of the year, um, just because uh, there's the pecking order is just kind of strange. They, you know, they traded for Naheem Hines last year. They've got a younger guy, James Cook, around. They brought in Latavius Murray. It's one other running back, Damian Harris, and so uh, it just seems like kind of a free for all in that backfield. And uh, there's no reason why Jordan Mims can't creep his way into that either. Yeah, so it seems like a, a good little a good little spot for him and uh, to try and and get a foothold and and get it get things going in the NFL. Now, last but not least, uh, David Perales ended up finding himself a spot that day as well, heading over to Pittsburgh and uh, you know finding a spot on the Steelers. So, Jackson, what do you got on that one? Yeah, this is an interesting spot. I mean, just the name alone, you think of when you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers, you think about some really good defense over the years, and they still got a lot of that infrastructure still in place. They haven't quite been as good as they've been post Ben Roethlisberger, but still very solid and very reliable on defense. Um, so that seems like a good fit just on its front. Uh, they do run a 3 4 scheme, which is quite different from President State's 4 2 5, especially for the defensive end where probably going to have to be an outside linebacker. Uh, Perales did spend quite a time just as a stand-up rusher, which probably won't be too much different than what the Steelers ask him to do, but it is going to be somewhat of an adjustment. Um, But roster-wise, it's a good spot, I think, for him to be as an undrafted free agent. Um, They don't carry a lot of outside linebackers, and they've got T.J. Watt, who's one of the best in the league, and 
another starter who's pretty established, but uh, the second team, not very established. They did pick a, use a fourth rounder on Nick Herbig out of Wisconsin. Um, so there's not going to be a lot of outside linebackers there. And um, again, a good chance where if there's not quite enough room on the roster that they'll most likely have him on the practice squad. So it seems like a, a safe spot all the way around, except for probably having to change a little bit of what he does um, as far as just the scheme and, and how he fits in there. So, I mean, all around, uh, really like where those four free agents all ended up, I think, across the board. I mean, a lot of both as far as what the roster holds and what they could potentially fit in, um, they all landed in very favorable spots. So hopefully they pan out. Um, and you never know. I mean, Ronnie Rivers was a case where I don't know if it would have been all that great of a situation for him, but a bunch of injuries happened, and all of a sudden he was on the active roster last year for the Rams. So uh, sometimes it's not always about fit, but circumstance, and we'll see if that plays in as well here too. Yeah, so that that is definitely going to be the case. We're going to have to keep an eye on all of these uh, players, even though they are they signed with these teams. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to have a spot on the team when the season rolls around. So we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on and see if they end up making the active roster or some in some form or way still a part of these teams. So we'll have an update for you later on as we get closer to the NFL season. Uh, that being said, Jackson, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Any final thoughts? Yeah, let's head over to BarkBoard.com. we got, again, a lot of coverage further uh, of the written variety on these topics, the recruits and the um, NFL picks. Um, we're covering recruiting pretty hard this month. As it's going to be pretty active with the transfer portal and, and again, late additions here for the, the 2023 roster and also catching up with some of these other commits we haven't talked to yet. Um, a lot of discussion going on on the boards about conference realignment and everything. We're not going to touch on that today, but um, uh, we did a story pretty recently on NIL, name, image, and likeness on Eric Mitchell, who had come back, former Bulldog offensive lineman, to be the director of NIL. Um, so some interesting tidbits there and, and what he's going to bring. So um, yeah, just keep stay tuned to barcourt.com for all the, the latest coverage. And if you want to try VIP, just a dollar for your first month to try it out or you can sign up for a year for 30 percent off yeah and it's well worth the price people so head on over there and get your uh, subscriptions today now that being said if you're looking for jackson you can find him on twitter at jackson moore 247 you can find me on twitter at red wave report and uh, as always head over to our facebook and give it a like if you haven't done so already and uh head over to the barkboard.com where we offer both free and premium subscriptions but again the premium is the way to go as we report all the latest news and information there prior to it making it public so again uh, head over to the and get your subscription today i'd like to thank everyone for joining us and joining us again next week or soon <laughs> as we can for all your latest news and updates on fresno state athletics 